Hey there, this message is for new kindergarten teachers. Are you ready to dive into your first year of teaching kindergarten with confidence? I've got just the thing for you this summer. PD by the pool. Imagine soaking up the sun and taking advantage of all that summer has to offer while at the same time learning everything you need to know for a successful first school year teaching kindergarten. All in short 10-minute audio lessons. How is that possible? This private audio course is a private podcast exclusive for you, a first-year kindergarten teacher, that you can take with you wherever you go while you're enjoying summer. As you know with podcasts, the great thing is all you need is your phone. In PD by the Pool, I cover everything from classroom setup to teaching routines to the first social-emotional lessons you'll want to teach your students. Plus, you'll get some fantastic bonuses, including a first month of kindergarten scope and sequence with everything you want to teach your kids for the first month of kindergarten. And here's the splash-tastic deal. Grab the Summer Learning Bundle, and you'll get access to not only PD by the Pool, but the live Kinder Coaching Week that will happen in July, where you get to ask me all of your kinder questions. With the Summer Learning Bundle, it's a buy one, get one half off deal. So don't miss out. Swim on over to pdbythepool.com and secure your spot in PD by the Pool today. Let's make waves this summer and get ready for an amazing school year. See you by the pool. Hey there, teachers. You are probably gearing up for Halloween coming up soon. And if you're looking for some last minute Halloween activities, I've got you covered. I have a bunch of Halloween writing and math and reading activities. Literally, you could fill your whole day or days leading up to Halloween with them. Check them out in the link below. But today, we are not talking about Halloween. We're talking about something much scarier. No, just kidding. It's not scary. Uh, We are talking about how to support our beginning writers in kindergarten. Writing is the hardest time of day for many of our students, and that completely makes sense. Think about all the executive function skills that you need in writing. You need to be able to stop your impulses and sit still and plan out what you're going to write and then figure out how you're going to write it and then remember what you are going to write as you're sounding out the words. I mean, it is a lot for little writers. And so this is where I see my kids struggle the most is writing. But again, it makes sense given all the demands we're putting on them. So today, I'm going to talk with you about how I support my beginning writers, the ones that come in not knowing how to write yet in kindergarten. Let's get started. You're listening to the Kindergarten Cafe Podcast, where kindergarten teachers come to learn classroom-tested tips and tricks and teaching ideas they can use in their classroom right away. I'm Zeba, creator and founder of Kindergarten Cafe, and I help kindergarten teachers with everything they need from arrival to dismissal in order to save time, work smarter, not harder, and support students with engaging and purposeful lessons. I'm here to cheer you on through your successes and breakthroughs and offer support and resources so you never have to feel stuck or alone. Ready to start saving time and reducing your stress all while using effective and purposeful lessons that students love? Let's get started. The first thing that kids need to be able to do well in order to write is have strong fine motor skills. 
So I spend the first couple of weeks of school really just focusing on fine motor skills with my students. And after today's podcast, if you want to learn more about fine motor skills, I've got a couple blog posts to help you with that. So I start by teaching my students exactly how to hold a pencil. And I have a really awesome song that I can take no credit for. It was an OT in my building taught this song to me. I have no idea where she got it from, but I use it every year. It works so well. So since this is a podcast, you can actually hear me singing it, (laughs) which works really well. So it goes like this. Thumb is bent, pointer points to the tip, middle finger uses its side. I tuck my last two fingers in and take it for a ride. So it's really emphasizing the hardest part of the grip for students is tucking those last, the pinky and ring finger in and using the middle finger on its side to hold the pencil. If students struggle with keeping their last two fingers in, you can actually give them a little pom-pom or something to hold in that hand with those two fingers, and that really helps to help their pencil grip. And I've got a ton more tips for pencil grip in the fine motor blog post if you're looking for it. And you can also always reach out by DM and say, my kids are struggling with this. How can you help? And I am sure I have a blog post for you. And if not, it's probably a good idea for a blog post. So I'll do or a podcast episode so I can do one in the future. Uh, But anyway, after we talk about the pencil grip, we practice writing all kinds of different line segments, drawing horizontal lines, vertical lines, zigzag lines, dashed lines, all kinds of things. And we also add in different fine motor materials as well, like scissors, Play-Doh, tweezers, to just continue this idea of different types of lines with different tools that also help build fine motor skills. So cutting lines, using Play-Doh to make lines, things like that. Once they've been working on their line segments, then we move on to shapes because all drawings are made up of shapes. And so when kids struggle with drawing, helping them to see the shape that the drawing is made of, that the object is made of, that they're drawing, uh, really helps to break it down. This big task of drawing the classroom, we break it down into what shapes do you see? Well, let's talk about one object at a time. I see a table that reminds me of a rectangle. Let's draw the rectangle, things like that. So working on fine motor skills and holding a pencil leads directly into teaching kids how to draw. And kids need to be able to draw before we can really ask them to write. Because a big part of the beginning writing stages involves drawings and adding labels to their drawings, using the drawings to help tell stories. So drawing is a really key, important piece for beginning writers. The other key important beginning piece for writers is oral language development. We can't expect kids to write a story if they can't tell a story. So from the very beginning of the year, we start doing morning meeting shares And I have a blog post on morning meeting in kindergarten if you want to learn more. But that share gives kids the chance to share with their friends and answer questions and tell stories. And it really helps build their oral language development. The other thing that I do that really helps build their oral language skills is called writing warm-ups. 
And I have on the screen every day before we start writing a warm-up question that is directly related to the genre of writing we're doing. And the kids get very used to the routine of as they're transitioning to the rug, seeing what the prompt is, of course, there's visuals, and then talking to their partner about the prompt. So it might be like, tell what you see in the classroom, or what's your favorite thing to play at recess, or who do you live with, different prompts like that, that help them to practice telling their story. And then they might choose when I send them off to go write, they might choose to go and write that story that they just practiced, or they might not, but it's still a great oral language practice for them. The other thing you can do if you notice kids are struggling with oral language or you just want to help enhance their oral language development is to include different storytelling activities in their play or their literacy centers. So having a way to retell favorite stories as well as make up their own stories is really helpful. So I like to use little magnets and cutouts from the books to have them retell their favorite stories that we've read as a class. I also put out loose parts for students to create their own stories, and I encourage them to film a video on Seesaw telling the story that they've created, and they absolutely love telling stories. And this is a great way to then practice the storytelling voice that they will use in their writing, and you could then encourage them to go write their story once they're done telling the story. But telling the story is so much less intimidating for students because it doesn't involve that did I do it right did I do it wrong spelling all that kind of stuff handwriting writing has a lot of stress to it for some students so the storytelling takes all that stress out the other important piece of oral language is working with students on phonological awareness before asking them to write letters and sounds and words I always want my students to be able to hear the sounds that I'm teaching before I expect them to actually use in their reading, before I expect them to use it in their writing. So it goes hearing first, then reading, then writing, because writing is the hardest step. So that means that we are working for the first several months on just hearing sounds and words, rhyming words, changing sounds and words. And then when they start learning the letters, hearing the sounds of the letters before I'm ever asking them to independently write those letters and use the letter sounds. Which means that until they have that background knowledge of letters and sounds in the English language, they're really not ready to start writing, and that's okay. Some of your students might, and you can still encourage them to write during Writer's Workshop, But otherwise, we're using that time to build the oral language, to build storytelling, and to work on drawing. So the progression that I work on in my classroom is first drawing a picture and having them tell about what they drew. After that, we'll work on adding a label, maybe just one letter for the beginning sound, but of course, they'll need to know those letters first. And then we'll work on adding maybe some simple two-word phrases like the table, or blue hat. And this is around November, December. So where you are right now, and you're thinking, my students aren't writing at all. That's normal. That's kindergarten. They don't have the background skills yet. 
the foundational skills to be able to write, and we shouldn't expect them to. Because then you're setting up them to fail and yourself to fail. It's an unreasonable expectation. You will be so surprised by the end of kindergarten how much they learn and how much they've grown and are able to do the writing. It really starts to click around February, March. You are going to be amazed. But for now, meet them where they are. If they're not ready for writing, work on adding labels. Maybe just a letter for the sound. Really focus that with them on the foundational skills of storytelling and drawing. After they're able to do a couple like two-word phrases, you can start working on simple sentences. And by the end of kindergarten, ideally they're writing more than one sentence about their drawing. But I wouldn't expect more than like three sentences in kindergarten on a page by the end of kindergarten. Of course, some kids will do more than that, and that's great. But the expectation, I would say, is two to three sentences per page. Although I tell my students, like, in March that I'm expecting one sentence now for them to do one sentence on each page, that that's the kindergarten expectation. When your students are ready to work on that sentence-level writing, I would definitely work with them in small groups or one-on-one even with students. And you want to teach them how to break down the sentence that they're thinking in their head onto writing the words on the page. And that involves, surprise, surprise, hearing first. They have to be able to hear their sentence. So they say their sentence and they clap out, tap out, whatever you want to call it. They move a cube. They count on their fingers. That's what I have my students do for how many words are in their sentence. So if the sentence is, I went to the beach. It's hard for kindergartners to be able to break apart. I went to the beach into I went to the beach, five individual words. So we break it down for them. We model that for them. And this is where all that work you did with phonological awareness pays off because students need to be able to understand the difference between words, letters, sounds, things like that. So all of that comes from that phonological awareness work that you did with them earlier in the year. So that in theory, now they're ready and they say their sentence, they're able to break apart their sentence into the five individual words. And that's actually a great phonological awareness practice is just to say sentences and have them figure out how many words they are and break them apart. So they say their sentence, I went to the beach. You have them figure out how many words. I went to the beach, five words. The next best thing that you can do for them is draw a line, I love to use yellow marker for this, for where those words will go. And you say the words as you draw the line. So you draw the line, I went to the beach. And then you have them tap out the sentence on the lines. I went to the beach. Then you have them start writing your sentence. And after every word, they should go back and reread the whole sentence, the words they've written and the words they haven't written yet. And this will help students remember what it is they're writing. Because as I said early in the episode, it takes so much executive function to write, to be able to remember what it is you're writing, and at the same time, sound out the words. Like that's a lot for one little tiny brain to think about. So this is the best way we can help students write that sentence. So they write I, then they point to the lines, went to the beach. Then they write went, and then they read I went, 
and then they point to the lines to the beach and they go, okay, now I'm writing two. And it's going to take a while. It's going to take a long time to write one sentence and that's okay. That's exactly where they are. That's where they should be. So breaking it down for them, though, by drawing the lines and tapping out the words really helps them be successful in writing a sentence about their drawing. Of course, this is all in small groups with you. They, they really need you to be there for them to help break apart the words at first until they can be successful and doing it on their own, which they can after some practice. I've had students draw lines for themselves on the paper as they're figuring out the words that they want to write in their sentence. But we have students who struggle more than others with writing. They don't have as many of the foundational skills to be independent or the executive function skills to sit for a long period of time. So what I would say is when you have students like this, meet them in a small group right away so that their attention is fresh for a targeted 10, 15 minutes at most, aim for 10, where you might do a quick little phonics activity warm up and then you get into supporting them in their writing. After that, when you start to lose their attention span, have them do a choice board. Have them do a choice activity. Now, it might not be what the other kids are doing, but that's okay because it's what these kids need to do. They have already done their quote-unquote must-do for the day by writing with you, and now they're moving on to a can-do choices. And you can target these choices for exactly what foundational skills they need to work on. Maybe they need to work on fine motor skills to build up their muscle strength. Maybe they need to work on drawing so that they can tell better stories and have more details in their drawing. Maybe they need to work on letter sounds, so you'll have them do like matching letters to sounds, to pictures, things like that, or writing in Alconan boxes, some CVC words, things like that. You can really target their choices for what it is they need to work on. But having these choices gives them the ability to not have so much pressure on their executive function that we expect on students during writer's workshop. Also, student choice is highly motivating, so it gives them a chance to be more engaged in what they're doing because they chose the activity themselves. And I'm not setting a set time on how long they have to stay doing that activity. If they are done doing their letter tracing, then they can move on to something else. I'm not saying you have to do letter tracing for the next 10 minutes before we move on. I don't find that beneficial. I find that causes more behavior problems than necessary because if they can move on when they're ready to switch, then they're going to be way more engaged in whatever they're doing. So that's why I like using choice boards with students who really struggle with writing and staying in their seats writing the whole time because it allows you to then move on and support other students who are able to write for a bit longer because these students that need your most attention are successfully engaged and independent in something else. So those are all the ways that I help students in their beginning writing stages. And I just want to remind you that it really is a journey and for every kid it is different. Their progress is different and that writing really is the hardest part of the day for them. So If you have kids struggling with writing, it's completely normal and expected, and you can use these tricks to help them and to support them in their writing development. 
And if you have more questions that you want answered or more specific tips that you want, send me a DM at Kindergarten Cafe or send me an email. I'm always happy to help. But before you go, the quote of the day comes from overhearing some children talking to each other during writer's workshop where they were asked to draw about something that happened over the weekend or about their family. I don't remember the exact prompt, but I do know that this girl was drawing about her family. And another girl, a five-year-old girl said, hey, boys can have long hair, you know. And the girl who was drawing the picture said, yeah, but my dad doesn't have any hair. Thanks so much for listening to the Kindergarten Cafe podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes for more information and resources, or just head straight to kindergartencafe.org for all the goodies. If you liked this episode, the best ways to show your support are to subscribe, leave a review, or send it to a friend. I'll be back next week with even more kindergarten tips. See you then.